You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. Phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, so let's start off with Pedro, the redhead from Brazil. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Pedro, the redhead from Brazil here. So, great day today. Great day. Sun shining, sky blue, because Joe Barry is not a Green Bay Packer anymore. So I'm really happy. Uh, I hope he has the best of luck and that he has success being a teacher in some middle school or something. But I don't want him near the Packers never again. So thinking about that, uh, we, we talked about some, you talked about in the show, some good uh, prospects for the DC, the DRDC, some games and on the Joe Barry's uh, episode that you just did, uh, talking about the, the 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 coaches that are already having interviews in the teams and stuff, but I want to take a different approach here. And instead of looking for the names that are available, uh, I want to I want you to elaborate on how do you think our defense should play, and then we look for a, a coach that likes the style that that. that uses this style. So, is it a 3-4? Is it a 4-3? What, what kind of, you, you like more men, you like more zone, and uh, and talking about that. Um, so then we can find the coaches that meet our criteria. So, I want to take that approach. Let me know what you think. I'm going to talk about my opinion here. So, um, I usually like 3-4 defenses more than I like for three, um, I just think it's the prep, the password usually is better. I don't know if it's true, but that's the feeling I have. So I like it more. But looking at our roster, maybe a four-three, it's not a, that bad because we have Lucas and Nash that we just signed, and he, I, I believe he's, he would be way better being a. Uh, uh, on, on a 4-3 scheme than a 3-4. Uh, 
I do believe Christian Gary can can play on both teams because he's a freak. He needs to get better, but he's a freak. And in doing so, I don't think we we need to draft that bad a nose tackle in the draft, as I do think we should now, because maybe um the Lenny Wyatt and and Candy can can handle it. I don't know. But yeah. I wanna know what you think. And talking about the DBs, I usually like more zone than I like men. But I would like a coach that uses both a lot, of course, and that uses disguises, you know. We do that on offense, we play out of disguise and we don't do that much on defense, in my opinion. And I think that yeah, that could be good. So I did a little bit rambling here, but I think you got the idea, so so obviously we have a defensive coordinator, but I'll, I'll um, give you my thoughts anyways. Um, they're not going to be very interesting, and I, I apologize in advance for that. I think all I'll really say is this. First of all, in order to understand what defense is going to work, um, you know, obviously there's the whole thing about it's not the scheme, it's the coach and all that, but okay, but there's, there's paddling, you know, upstream, and then there's paddling with the flow of the river, you know? But I think you would need to kind of understand what offenses are doing and are trending toward and then what kind of a defense typically stops that. And I say typically, and that's the problem, is even if you stop the most prominent style of offense, there's going to be a lot of teams not doing that. And so you might leave yourself susceptible to something else. But that would be the best way to to really identify that. And then you go from there and find a guy that can maybe implement that. So it's it's, it's a monumental task that might end up end up being a fool's errand anyways. Because again, you're only honing in on what some people are doing. You're trying to guess where the league is going. Then you're trying to, um, to the best of your ability, which will be flawed, identify what defensive strategies will best stop it. And then have to try to identify the person to best run this half-cocked plan that we have, which also has a pretty rough chance of being perfect. But let's just go all the way to the end, because obviously I can't do that. Let's just assume all of that is in place. Let's assume we got the best possible person to run something that um, at least can, in theory, or does have plans in place to stop what the NFL likes to do. My preference, 3-4-4-3 doesn't really matter to me. I've mentioned before, which again doesn't really matter, that I I like 3-4 just because it's what we've been doing. It's just always had this kind of a cool appeal to me, like 4-3 felt like this old, boxy, boring kind of a thing. And now we've got these roving lions, you know, these linebackers are just pacing back and forth, just ready to take, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just got a cool thing with Clay Matthews and these guys coming in and just doing some stuff, you know, and, and you think about um, Dom Capers and he had all these creative blitzes and creative formations and all this crazy stuff. But obviously none of that is super relevant. And I do think we have guys that are really good at putting their hand in the dirt, Lucas Van Ness and Rashawn Gary in particular. We'll see, but I think they'll handle it really well. But Right now, and, and I, I say this at the risk of saying it just because it's different, which I think a lot of fans are doing also, I would prefer to just be aggressive. I think every fan base generally wants to be aggressive. I mean, ultimately, you want to have a good defense one way or another, and if it's, if it's in a you know, non-aggressive style, which, by the way, if, you're, if your defense is successful, it's going to at least appear aggressive. Even if it's not, you're going to be pressuring the quarterback and you're going to be affecting the ball. Even if that's just, you know, rushing four with four really talented pass rushers and you know, playing zone really well, it can appear aggressive. And I think that's what people want when they say they want something aggressive. And really what they want are defenses that dictate to offenses. 
which isn't necessarily the same thing. But I would tend to agree just just on the basis of it's more fun to watch. You know, it's similar to the whole Shanahan thing. I mean, it's just, it's fun that they move in motion and they do all these creative different things. And, you know, everything kind of looks like a borderline trick play as opposed to just the old Aaron Rodgers gun formation, spread them out and just try to heave it downfield somewhere. And you say, well, you know, if you're if you're more aggressive, then you're more susceptible to giving up big plays. I think that's true, and, and you could even argue just from a perception standpoint that when you see that, there's a bigger feeling of like, man, we suck. Like, how do you give up a 40-yard touchdown? Like, you are trash, as opposed to just like giving up that five-yard first down. But if we assume both drives in, because again, we're not talking about a worse defense. We're just talking about winning and losing in different ways. If you're talking about a drive that ends in a touchdown, over the course of a drive in which you got bled down the field very, very slowly, or something that took five plays and then they scored a touchdown, which one's going to suck more? I mean, from, from a, the standpoint of, you know, which one feels worse, I don't know. They both probably suck. I would guess it's somewhat equal. But at least there's the element of, number one, you're, you're playing aggressive and you're playing to win and not just playing to not lose, which I think would feel better. And then, of course, number two is getting your defense off the field. As much as that's not how you want to get off the field, it's better than just having a defense that's gassed by mid-third quarter. Not just because the offense can't stay on the field, but because the defense can't get off the field is usually the bigger issue. I, don't know, I, I, just, I just like it, and I like having a defensive philosophy that tries to dictate to the offense, not sit back and react. And I think that's what we're going to be doing. Um, and it's just, you know, success ultimately is, is going to come down to the guy that, um, that's calling the plays. And obviously, none of us has any idea whether or not he can do it, right? There, there was Ohio State, where he, you know, obviously did a great job as a co-defensive coordinator, getting these guys coached up, ready to go. But that was a long time ago. That was one year. That was college kids against college offenses. So we'll just have to see what he puts together and, and how it works with the guys. But I, I think one of the other benefits of the way in which we're doing it is it's what the, it's what the players want to do. And obviously that in and of itself is not a reason to do it, but it means more buy-in. I think it's going to be easier to coach them. It's going to be easier to motivate them. It's going to be easier to get them to buy in because essentially the buy-in is I'm going to just cut you free. It's not let's lean on the scheme. It's we're going to lean on you. We're not playing chess anymore. We're, we're boxing. And it also gives them the ability to kind of scrap the, you know, sort of soft label and change the identity, change the culture, change change a lot of stuff. I think it's all needed. I think it's just a matter of, you know, can they go out and do it? And I don't know. But I am glad that we're making the switch. I'm excited to to learn about it and, and learn new stuff about how different defenses operate. I went through his uh, press man coaching clinic or whatever, and that was pretty interesting information. It all seems intuitive, but I'm sure if, if you heard Joe Barry give an explanation of, of uh, some of the zone concepts, you'd probably sit back and go, that actually makes a crap ton of sense too. But it's good to just know what, what our guys, you know, I'm sure that film is already being sent to them and, and to their, you know, the guys that they're training with are, are getting up to date on, on different things that they need to be working on so that when they show up, they're kind of up to speed already. So it's interesting to watch it and realize like, this is what Jair's kind of learning right now and working through. But um, no, I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's all exciting stuff trying to get as caught up on it as I possibly can. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about Quinion Mitchell, the, the cornerback out of Toledo, just because as you listen to, um, I'm not sure what his speed is going to be, because I think speed is going to be a factor, which we already have. Um, I mean, it actually kind of gets me a little excited about Stokes. I know everybody's already, I'll save it for tomorrow. 
One of the things tomorrow that needs to be addressed is the idea of whether or not we have this good player or that good player or whether or not they can do this, that, or the other thing. Let me just summarize. We don't know. You don't know. I don't know. We don't know. And a ways. Hey, man. Uh, Got a little bit of time. Letting it all settle in. Cool. And, uh... I don't know. I, I, I feel a lot better. Man, it takes a while. And it may not ever go. I mean, some of my, some of my, well, basically all the playoff losses stuck with me for my life. Who am I kidding? Um, but I feel better. And I, do you think it's a coincidence that after the Bucks dropped, uh, Griffin last night, mid-season when they were 30 and 13, that, uh, they stoned up and dropped, uh, Barry today? Um, I thought it was interesting they got rid of Gizzy too. Um, all the soft tissue injuries, I think, probably sealed his fate. But, um, good on the Wisconsin professional sports team brass for having some balls, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not mad at any of it. Um, don't know anything about it, but yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to call in and give my approval. And man, I kind of want training camp to start tomorrow. That's oh, yes. how excited I am. Yeah for next season already is that is that wrong is that pathetic i mean i know the answers to both of those are yes but <laughs> humor me anyway would you i was gonna say no to both. Uh, what else i think that's it man i'm gonna try and call in every week and just whisper sweet nothings to my good man <laughs> and make sure that uh, the vibe stays true because uh i think we're starting something special man and the Bucks are going to lead the way. They're going to turn that thing around, too. So that's it, buddy. Signing off. Hang in there. Yeah, I couldn't tell you a single thing about the Bucks. I saw that they let a guy go, and I, I didn't know he was doing like a good job, if that's what you were saying that he was. I, I'm, I don't know what was going on. Um, I, I just I wish I could care. I wish I had other things. Actually, I don't. I don't think I could do this. If I was like all up on basketball and baseball, like I, oh, I got to do the podcast. Oh, I can't. There's a, there's a game. Dude, there's a game every day. Baseball and basketball. There's 500 billion games. I mean, baseball is kind of a different, but there's no off season for the football, anyways. Um, but no, I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I mean, obviously we got the draft. Um, because I want to see who's coming in, and I want to. I don't know if we're going to learn too much more about the defense between now and then. Again, until we hear from, um from the new DC. And, um, even then, I mean, it, it would have to be a little later. Um, we're, we're not going to know a ton, but it, it'll be good to kind of hear from him. I, I, if I had to guess, he would kind of give us like, if he did a press conference today, it would be a lot of the information we already know, right? Four man front single high, you know, that's kind of what he comes from or middle field close, I guess. Um, we want to play aggressive defense. We want to disrupt the receivers and disrupt timing and disrupt quarterbacks. And he would say those kinds of things and then would go on to kind of say what I've been saying, which is, you know, we still have to make adjustments. You know, it's, we got to make adjustments for the players. We got to look at uh, the NFL landscape and we got to tailor what we do to the guys we have. And so there's going to be some changes. I mean, he even said in that one interview that he's moving toward more of a, a too high kind of a defense. Now, I don't know if that's just like using it a little bit more than normal 
or what. He talked about it in terms of like stopping mobile quarterbacks. And that was back when, you know, he thought Justin Fields was like the future of the NFL. And then that kind of fell apart. And now it's like, well, we got Lamar and it's pretty much it. I guess that's not true. But most quarterbacks can can do some damage to some degree. I mean, Jordan can do it. Josh Allen can do it. Pat Mahomes can do it. But it's certainly not a bunch of Lamars out there. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Uh, Snacks, thanks for calling, dude. All right, I'm going to have to start filtering calls here. Joe the janitor is calling in about Joe maybe staying. I mean, we could play it, but look, um, are they are they bringing him back? No. Was that report anything worth talking about? No. It, it if If it was even something, as opposed to just people making up crap, it was nothing more than, is it possible Joe could stay on in some capacity? And the answer was yes. You know why? Because they're not going to say no. No, screw that guy. He's not allowed back here ever again. Hey, Ryan. Leah from Southern Illinois here. Hey. Um, I've been waiting to call because I wanted everyone who needed to grieve to grieve. Of course, I'm disappointed in the loss, but just a little. Um, just a little. This whole season exceeded my expectations. And making the playoffs, I just, I never saw that coming. Yeah. I'm not going to rehash what everyone else has already pointed out about the Niners game. But even with the loss, I just have to say what an amazingly awesome, unexpected and thrilling season. I do hope the powers that be in Green Bay will finally realize that we cannot have a team or a scheme that has to rely on QB1 having to play at an, M- at an MVP level, each and every game to win. Yeah. Got to build up around J-Love. Oh, hey, fun fact. The only person to troll me via text after the loss was a Cowboys fan. <laughs> a Cowboys fan. Really? Look, I don't want to make you use the bleep button, so I'll just say this. I'm pretty sure he's blocked my number after my reply. <laughs> Buried the lead. Joe Barry is gone <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Um, Godspeed and best wishes. I'm so glad they did this before the draft. I'm so glad they did it, period. I'm so glad they did it before the draft. I think the new D.C. deserves to be part of the draft since we've got a lot of needs on that side of the ball. Now, speaking of the draft, I'm not positive that we need to spend a high pick on a running back. I mean, I'm hoping and praying we keep Aaron Jones because, well, I don't need to elaborate on that, do I? Um, I also, I'd like to see Emmanuel Wilson get some more snaps. Here's hoping he has a big sophomore jump, second-year jump there. Um, and honestly, I'd also... I'm just going to stop real quick because I'm, I'm worried I'm going to forget some stuff. I just want to touch on the running back thing real quick. I, I, I definitely agree that we don't need to spend a pick in the first two rounds. Now, again... One of my favorite running backs in the class is going to have to go in the second round. Um, would I do backflips if we got him? Yes. Do we have to get him or we're screwed? No. I mean, we can find talented running backs, like really talented running backs, and we've seen this all across the NFL. They don't have to be in the first or second round. Aaron Jones is a pretty good case in point. Not that he's the norm. He's obviously an anomaly. But uh, the, it's interestingly enough, I was going through trying to gather up a bunch of notes from Senior Bowl and East West Shrine. Senior Bowl is ridiculous. I eventually just gave up because it's a, <laughs> like every single draft website in the universe has their like risers and fallers and notes and everything else. And it's like I'm just kind of repeating a lot of notes. But I did notice that two names came up 
And they just so happened to be the uh, other two guys that I really liked a little bit later in the class. Dylan, uh, whatever, whatever. Lob, lobby, laub. He was talked about quite a bit from the Senior Bowl. Now, there was talk about him possibly like being a slot guy or whatever. Just, you know what, just shut up. And then the other guy was Ray Davis. So those are two guys that I really, really like. And sure enough, they both went to the Senior Bowl. And both of them had quite a bit of praise as far as what they were able to do there. So I, I mean, it's not just to, to toot my own horn. I'm just saying I think that I think there are genuinely really good running backs. Now I disagree with a couple of them, but I, I think every year, man, the, the crop from you know like third round, fourth round, fifth round ish running, but there's always guys. And then we end up getting some guys in the seventh round or undrafted that you will go back and watch them. Like I really like this guy. That's the thing with running backs. It's such a weird thing where you, you'll get like a, a top running back from a decent school that still ends up going in the seventh round. It's like, why did they go? It's like, I don't know. Just, I mean, he's not special. He's just good. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. I mean, Emmanuel Wilson is a great example. He's a good running back. Is he ever going to be Aaron Jones? Probably not. Neither is A.J. Dillon. So I, I, I agree that I don't really want an early running back, but I definitely want to make sure that we're restocking because I think we're getting a little bit light, right? We've got Aaron Jones, maybe A.J. Dillon. I don't know what the plan is with him probably staying. Um, but it's like Aaron Jones and then a massive gap of like a pile of undrafted free agents, and I don't think that's great. Love to keep A.J. Dillon. That's probably more heart than head, honestly, but why not? Especially if Wilson makes that second-year jump. Yeah. Of course, I'm an idiot when it comes to cap space, so I could be talking total garbage here. Me too. And honestly, I don't think we need a wide receiver. Uh, with J-Love's uh, ability and willingness um, to, uh, to hit the open guy, whoever it is, um, I think we're young and strong at wide receiver. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm really interested to know your thoughts on Preston Smith. Do you think his future's in jeopardy related to the Barry connection? Part of me feels he's a keeper, especially if we get a lot of new young guys. You know, maybe he's lost a step, but I really think he's a good locker room presence. And he does still get home now and then, doesn't he? In my opinion, shore up the O-line, get some deep... Uh, she got cut off. There is a part two, but as far as... um. As far as Preston goes, I mean, he falls in that same category of, you know, th- there's really no savings here. I really think 2025 is the first year that you start to look at um, sort of a, a serious he-may-be-gone kind of a deal. And I know that isn't the be-all, end-all, but I, I just, I don't see, I don't see a massive need for it. It would fall under the category of that's quite shocking for me, but that's happened in the past for sure. I got cut off. It's the second time I've done that. Sorry about that. Um, but I think I was saying something about shore up the O-line, get some some bad, bad men for um, the defense, and then goody late-round magic for a running back if we're needed. But I don't feel like we're missing a ton of pieces to field a phenomenal team. Yeah. I'm so excited about this offseason. Just can't hide and about the next two to three seasons at least. All of these young guns are on rookie contracts. Yes, please. This team is going to be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of years, I hope. Thanks for what you do. Appreciate you, Ryan. Go, pack, go.
Yeah, and the, the wide receiver thing, too, is also, you know, I, I agree. It's tough to where you look at it and say, you know, let's say you did use a first or second round pick on a wide receiver. How much do we know they're going to play? Assuming every, Let's just assume everyone's healthy. I know they want Watson on the field, and Jaden Reed's going to be the slot guy. It's possible that they get the other, you know, third spot, or they just play opposite Watson. And obviously there's different... Um, going to be different combinations and rotations and stuff. But in terms of who you want out there, ideally, most of the time, I guess I would just say you better be very, very sure that this is sort of just a next level guy. Because we're making it work pretty well with, you know, Duntavian Wicks and and Romeo Dobbs and, and Bo Melton kind of filling into those spots, along with the tight ends and everything else. Which, I mean, it's pretty much why I uh, think we're going defense a lot offensive line and defense, which I'm fine with. I, I like that. I, I, I would love to build up the offensive line and then just help our new defensive coordinator make sure he has everything he needs and then just get to work. But why don't we take our first break? We'll come back and hear from Brandon. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, Ryan. It's Brandon from Indiana. Hey. And I have two draft situations for you to think on, should the Packers just build an offensive juggernaut with nothing but offensive linemen, a running back, maybe another wide receiver, or should us Packers fans be prepared for more of a last year's Detroit Lions draft class, which was kind of picking and choosing on positions that needed upgraded that weren't very popular at the time. 
Let me know your thoughts. Bye. Well, I guess it depends. Kind of trying to understand the question in the context of which you asked it. If what you mean is we don't go that route and the fans wouldn't be happy about it. So, for example, if we got, um, you know, corner safety, something along those lines that fans would be upset, then, yeah, I suppose there'd be some level of disappointment. Do I think they're going to do what the Lions did insofar as like drafting very low value positions like linebacker and running back as though they're already massive contending champions and, and just need like tip of the iceberg type stuff? No, I don't think so. I think they're going to lean. I think they're going to lean on um, premium positions like they usually do early on. And I generally think, I mean, I, I can't think of too many positions that we would draft, for example, in the first round that fans would be mad about. I mean, I would have thought corner, but I think a lot of fans seem to be okay with it. Um, I mean, again, I think it's because of misplaced disdain toward the corners that we have, but be that as it may, I think that uh, fans would be content. Safety, I don't think anybody would be mad about. Linebacker, they would, but I don't think we would go that route. That doesn't make a ton of sense, especially given the, the lack of sort of premier linebackers in that range. It's not like, you know, some drafts where you got two, three, four guys you're looking at. I think anything along the offensive line, although the Packers would probably lean tackle, but anything all along the offensive line, I think fans would be fa- fine with wide receiver. I mean, tight end, they wouldn't be happy with, but I don't think there are any, and they wouldn't do it. So, there, I mean, listen, there's going to be disappointment, but it's it's probably just going to be because we do what we do every year. We're going we're gonna to put together a list of about four or five people that it just has to be. And then some of them are going to be available and then they're going to go with somebody else and we're all going to lose our minds. But I think as far as like position and stuff, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll do what I think fans will appreciate from that. If you just don't say the name, just say the position. I think they'd be happy. Hey Ryan, it's Craig from Indiana. Um, we're just thinking about, uh, we talk about the taking the lead from year one to year two, or maybe year two to year three. And so I was looking um, just back a few years, you know, which which of our draft picks have, have kind of done that? Just starting in 2019, you know, I would say obviously uh, Gary has done that. Savage has not. Jenkins probably has. Uh, looking at that class, Sternberger's gone. Kingsley, no. Holman, no. Dexter Williams, no. Ty Summers, no. Uh, 2020, Jordan Love uh, obviously took a big leap this year. A.J. Dillon, I would say, probably hasn't taken any significant leaps over the years. Deguara, no. Uh, Martin's gone. Runyon, no. Hanson, no. Um, the rest of the guys are gone from that draft class. 21, Stokes, no. Myers, no. Amari Rogers, no. Royce Newman, uh, I don't think so. Slayton, no. Uh, John Charles, no. Big Duffy, you know, maybe yes. I think he had a pretty decent year this year. And then last year with Walker, um, I'd say he made a jump and so did Wyatt. Watson, I wouldn't say made a jump, jump from one to two, or Sean Ryan had not. I wouldn't say Dobbs really made much of a jump from year one to two. Zach Tom, yes. Uh, Kingsley, yeah, I would say he, he probably has. Carpenter's gone. Ford, who knows? Rasheed Walker definitely has, and Story, no. Um, but just kind of curious who you're thinking might, uh, uh, you know, if you have a sense of a, um, but what might be happening in the next few years um, with these guys or, or just comments on maybe some of that history. Um, but I, I certainly hope they do. They definitely have the skills and talent to do that. 
Um, but uh, we also know that uh, probably over half the time, sometimes that jump doesn't occur. But, uh, but uh, anyway, sorry I'm rambling a little bit, but just any thoughts you might have about that. Take care. Bye. Um, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm just space cadet today or what. I'm, I'm not fully understanding what the question is. When you say the leap, I mean, are we talking about like has become like one of the premier players in the NFL or are we just talking about any amount of growth? Because some of these guys grew, but it just still wasn't good enough. Um, and then, you know, aside from just going through and kind of giving my thoughts on each of those players and whether or not they grew. I mean, are are we wondering if it's a coaching question, possibly, or because look, I mean, and some of these guys were solid from the start, so it's like you know, did they grow? No, like Dobbs, Dobbs didn't grow, but he has played well beyond any expectations of what you would get from a fourth round wide receiver. Um, Zach Tom, I honestly don't know if he's grown all that much, but he's been phenomenal as a fourth round tackle. So I don't know if that would be a negative or not. Um, uh, Devonte Wyatt certainly did. Quay Walker, I don't think did. In fact, I think there's evidence to say he went backwards, especially in terms of coverage. Sean Ryan, I don't know because we hardly ever saw him, but I, I know we saw some glimmers of of good stuff, which we never saw in the past. But we also just saw some terrible play. Um, Rashid is unbelievable. The leap he made, and it's hard to even call it a leap because I don't know what he was prior to. But for him to be able to in year two do what he can do as a seventh round pick is shocking. Um, Eric Stokes, I mean, it's impossible to say again, he had a good rookie year. We really haven't seen him since Josh Myers did actually take a very big jump, uh, from year one to year two. And then for whatever reason, Josh Myers and John Runyon were terrible this year. I mean, John Runyon also was a a solid player for numerous years. I don't know what happened. Uh, TJ Slayton, I think there has been growth, but I think he hit his ceiling. McDuffie has been unbelievable. I mean, again, looking at him as a sixth round pick, whether it's growth or he just shot out into the NFL as being elite. I don't know because we never really saw him, but I, I love what he does. Um, I think Jordan is a very good case of growth. Um, Dylan, I think there was growth from year one to year two, probably year two to year three. It seems like this year was a little bit of a step back, but it seems like there were several people, especially in the offense, that maybe struggled a little bit, and maybe that has to do with some changes that were made with the new quarterback coming in and the way that they play football. I don't know. Um, Savage, I also, uh, I've said it numerous times, he took a big jump from year one to year two, but then Barry came in and he hit rock bottom and just bounced back this year. Jenkins, I don't know that he's really grown. He's kind of just been what he is. He did have a very good year that year he played mostly tackle. I think that was his best year. Um, this year was fine. So yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't know what we're, um, curious about, but and I don't know like what the, the standard expectation is of players outside of just what I've seen, um, you know, looking through PFF grades and whatnot. And I will say that generally speaking, it's not just steps. It's not like, you know, red to orange to yellow to light green to dark green to blue. And they just progressively get better over time. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of just fake. Now, a lot of times the rookie year is the worst year. But other than that, I mean, a lot of times guys are just what they are all the time. So a lot of consistency. Sometimes it's it's four years in, they have this little stretch where they're really good and then they drop off. Sometimes it's wildly inconsistent where it's bad year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Um, but very rarely do you just see like this very slow, progressive thing where people just get better, 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 better. And then they kind of get to a certain age, like 30, and then they slowly get slowly worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, worse. and it's just like this pretty little pyramid. Um, 
I've never seen that before. Not not to my recollection, anyways. There's probably some decently clean looking things, but I don't know. And that and that's part of the weird thing too is just trying to catch a bunch of guys on a good year at the same time. I mean, that was the 2018 Bears, and and maybe that had to do with coaching or whatever. But it lasted one year, and then everybody crashed. How do you get that? How do you harness that? I don't I don't really know. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss coaching as though you can't make guys better because certainly you can, but. It's just it's it's just messy watching grades fluctuate up and down. I mean, with the exception of really good football players who just stay up, you know, Devontae and you know Rogers and uh, Von Miller and Khalil Mack. I mean, they, they they might have like a bad or a rough year or two early, and then have a phase where they do get older and and taper, but have a long consistent stretch in between. But that's that's rare and pretty reserved. I mean, either you're really good or you're really bad. That's the only consistency you're usually going to find. Hey Ryan, this is uh, Ethan from Maryville, Tennessee. Man, it's uh, it's been a while since I called. Um, I called in the season a couple times, but I don't know this defensive coordinator um, situation. It has me interested, and I kind of wanted to ask a couple thoughts about it. Maybe by the time you're hearing this, we have uh, hired a defensive coordinator, and then I'll probably call and ask a couple questions about that. But I mean, right now. Um, I know I listen to a lot of podcasts and hear about these candidates and it seems like a lot of these people, and I'm not saying all, I know there are differences, but they run the same schemes, but with different tendencies. Like there's heavy blizzards, heavy man coverage or zone and prevent. And I get all that. And I kind of want us to hire like a, a former player, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that's Al Harris. I mean, I would love Mike Vrabel. I don't think he's going to be a defensive coordinator. But I say that because, I don't know, just watching these defenses all these years, I want a defense that just tackles and pursues and tackles and someone that the players would want to go to war for, you know. And, like, I was – that would made me upset about the Joe Barry hiring when it first came out because, you know, I'm all for – great schemes and like these defensive geniuses and but I just I want player coaches that really relate to these guys and that I don't know what we can build a strong defense with and I mean I don't want that I mean I'll say this I love I love Matt LaFleur and I think that the NFL needs offensive specialists you know the most the best coaches always with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. And I think there's a reason for that, you know, because offenses need to be special and they need to have great call, the right calls at the right time. And I'm not trying to take that away from defense. I think scheme's such an important thing, but I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. I just, I get tired of hearing stuff about Brandon Saley and all these great defensive minds that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't really put into words besides that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, man. And uh, go back, go. Well, I think there's a large pool of positives and negatives, and I, I see that as one of the positives, being a former player. Um, it's just it's a way that you can relate to the guys in ways that guys who are not former players can't, especially if you played in the NFL like Orr did and and that kind of a thing. It's certainly not a be-all, end-all Um I think it's possible for defensive coaches who are not former players to be able to speak 
the language, so to speak, and and to be respected and and to speak in a way that understands players. Um, again, it's probably not going to be as good, but again, it's just it's one probably relatively small piece of the puzzle. Um, but I, I I tended to agree that if 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 I were crafting the perfect coach, he would be a former player, and I think most teams would probably agree with that, that if you could choose, it's somebody that's played the game because they bring perspective and they, they you know, again, have a ability to talk to people about football in a way that football people understand. Um, but obviously we didn't go that route. And um, it's, it's not like I hate the hire as a result. It's just it's one little checkbox thing that I was hoping would get checked that didn't get checked, I guess, is all it is. Hey, y'all. This is uh, Dakota, that nerd in Tennessee. Sure. And I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to share the stupid thought that the stupid thing that I keep doing in my head. Okay. Um, so, you know, Bo Melton, right? Mm-hmm. Player, wide receiver, wears number 80 on the Packers. Awesome. Whatever. Yeah. So every time I say his name, Melton, right? I mean, just listen to my accent. It's, I keep, like, it sounds like I'm saying melting. So every time. I say his name in my head. I add like people's ankles, right, or something like that at the end. So, Bo Melton, people's ankles. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Bo Melton, people's ankles just got a touchdown. Bo Melton, people's ankles just made a Twitter, which he did. So if you're on there, go follow him. But uh, yeah, this is this is who y'all are dealing with, and this is who y'all are currently listening to. So. <laughs> Enjoy that. Um, anyway, y'all, have a nice one. Peace. Bo Melton, people's faces. What's up? Um, fair enough, man. Why don't we take a uh, final break? We'll come back and hear from J.J. Leahy. Hi, my name is J.J. Leahy. Hi. First time listener, long time caller. Okay. Um... From Michigan, the land of eternal cold and horribleness. Sorry. Um, anyways, big fan of the show. Wanted to say how excited I am about all these draft picks that we have to go into the season with because, holy cow, Gutekunst cooked with his last two draft classes. And we've got, what, like seven picks in the first four rounds? Holy cow. I mean, we thought that the 2022 and 2023 drafts were great. And, like, he's got one more in him still. (laughs) I mean, I would guess this is probably going to be the end of, you know, this humongous stockpile of draft picks that he's got to work with. I don't know, maybe you flip Bakhtiari uh, for another pick or something. I, but, like, we're getting, definitely getting to the end of the ability to have all these extra picks in the first two rounds. But right. whew, I just have chills, chills thinking about round three of this. Because, like, I mean, the first one was so good. <laughs> that 2022 draft 
we were just like blown away. Like this is this is the greatest thing ever. And then he did it again. <sighs> what a lucky fan base we are. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, if he can if he can hit, you know, with with the same amount of uh, you know hits that he's had the last couple of of drafts with the amount of high picks that we have and just picks in general, um, this team has a potential to be beyond loaded. And um, hopefully we can kind of do that with the defense this time, you know, start getting some, oh man, he's a fourth round stud corner. That's crazy. Oh, look, a third round safety. That's actually pretty solid. That's crazy. seems like a lot of our hits do end up being offense. We got the wide receivers and the offensive linemen and need one really solid, just, loaded defensive draft hit mania. Hey, Ryan from Virginia. What's up? Uh, just got back home today, so getting caught back up. The One of the newest Packers fans was born on Tuesday. Nice. I uh, had no son, that's two for me. So. Congrats. Getting caught back up on everything. Everybody doing good. Um, you know, future, uh, future Packers Hall of Fame quarterback born on Tuesdays. There you that's go. The other way you look at it. Um, although hopefully he doesn't get my genes if that's the case. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, Same. getting caught up in all this talk about, um, you know, how this season, it's kind of like, you know, not that we're just happy to be here, but, you know, it wasn't any season with Rodgers. This season would have been seen as a disappointment, a letdown with our record and not winning the division and where we ended in the playoffs. Um, you know, it's just kind of like the season was seen as a success. It was, we've talked about it a lot. This was like the new feeling going into the year, you know, in the past. Um, it's all very different, so. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is the only year we get to do that. I feel like next year it's going to be like expectation to win the division. Right. That's the championship game, or else it's going to be disappointed again. So I feel like we have one year of that. Now it's back to where we started. So <laughs> just a little interesting to see that going on. So anyway, go back up. Yeah, that and that is true. Um, I mean, even if the the team looks good and Jordan looks good or whatever, if you get eight, nine wins again this next year. You go from this young, uh, up-and-coming team that's about to do things to, you know, cool, you guys are pretty good, but that's two years in a row you lost the division to the freaking Lions under, you know, you're 0 for 2 with Jordan Love. Um, You know, he ain't it, blah, blah, blah. So there is some element of you need to absolutely make a statement this year, and I think it starts with winning the division and asserting your dominance against especially the NFC North teams during the regular season. Hey, Ryan, what's up? What's up? Ryan from Brazil here. So, on the spirit of the offseason, I just did my first four-round mock draft. Nice. I was going to make it seven rounds, but truth be told, I haven't seen that much players of this draft yet, so right. I stick with four. So I can start some players that I do like, and you know what? I I, I always like my mock draft. So I, I think everybody likes their own mock draft. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna share it with you guys right now, and let me know what you think. So with the 25th pick, I picked up Carmen Kitchens. I think that that's how you pronounce his name. Sure. Safety from Miami. I really like him. Uh, I think that he is the, probably the top safety on the, on the class. If he's not the top safety, he's probably one of the top. Really aggressive. His tackling needs to get a little bit better, but I think it's coachable. And I like his aggressiveness going downfield. So 
yeah, I think it would be a pretty good pickup. Um, with the 41st pick on the draft, I got T-Von Sweat from Texas. Defensive tackle. Big really dude. big, really strong. Yeah. Nose tackle. Think that he would pair pretty, pretty well with Kenny and with Wyatt. So, yeah, that would be a pretty decent, pretty good defensive front on my opinion. So, let's keep going. With the 58 pick on the draft, I picked up Jonathan Brooks, running back from Texas. Now you're in talking. my opinion, the best running back in the class, and he is a running back from Texas. So, uh, I loved him instantly. So, yeah. Then, on my last three picks, that would be the 88, the 91, and the 126. I picked Cedric Von Penn. Sander from Georgia, um, he had a pretty down year, but he, he's a good center, in my opinion, and a really good program. So, yeah, I think that that competition would be pretty good for, for Myers, and maybe, maybe, and Sam can win, can win it. So, yeah. Then I took, with the 91st one, Zach Zinter, mm-hmm. guard from Michigan. Pretty good guard, in my opinion. A, uh, uh, a good program as well. Good culture. So, yeah. I think we need it. Put him there. Maybe at right tackle. It, 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 it will fit well. And my last second draft was cornerback from Oregon, Cherie Jackson. Well, that was, is that three minutes? That was perfectly timed. I mean, we'll get, we'll get, uh, well, let's, we'll let him finish. Yeah, I just got cut, so just finishing here, correct it. Three Jackson, tall, fast, corner from Oregon. Definitely fits the mold of the players we're looking for. And I think he, he can bring some depth for the position. And yeah, that would be it. Really liked it, and one of your thoughts. That's it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I was really hoping you were going to... Uh pick somebody that I just put a bunch of notes down for. Um, none of those guys, if they were at the Senior Bowl or East-West Shrine game, uh, nobody felt the need to talk about any of them. So um, I don't I don't have an opinion on Kinchins. I have not watched the, uh, the safeties at all. Unfortunately, I do look at like PFF grades and stuff, and sometimes that can sully my opinion or get me really high on certain people. And I, I I know that I'm not a big fan of his, which I'm positive is just because I looked at his grades and PFF didn't like him, which I, I need to not do that so I can have my own opinions, but it just is what it is sometimes. Um, love the second round picks. I would be doing backflips if those were our picks. Um, I don't know much about the defensive front that um, the DC is going to be employing, like what he's specifically looking for. But I do think we have a good amount of sort of those one-gap penetrating guys. And I know we got Slayton, and I know Kenny's been, you know, a nose tackle in his day, so maybe we're kind of okay on that. I I don't know. I don't know if he generally wants that one big guy because, you know, sometimes those four threes, they'll they'll kind of uh, designate the two guys on the interior as nose tackle and defensive tackle. I have no idea if that's similar to what we're going to be looking at here or if it's just too sort of it probably depends on on uh on whatever but i i don't know i don't know generally what he's looking to do 
Uh, it's possible that that we got a defensive coordinator that kind of does want that a little bit more. Um, I think in the past, I would have said there's no way a guy like that is coming back here since Gilbert Brown. Like, they just don't do that anymore. Like, Kenny's as big as they want at nose tackle, although Slayton is a little bit bigger still. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I like it. I like the big boys. I, I think it'd be pretty good to just have a complete man-mauling space eater that is just not going to be pushed around and then just have, you know, a bunch of other guys that are, you know, get get him next to, like, Wyatt, who's, he's not built that way, but he's a heck of a disruptor getting up the field and everything. And Kenny, I think, is the same thing. I think he does a, you know, intermittently, but you just kind of get him to cut loose and try to get up the field a little bit. I think he can, I think he can reclaim some of his former glory. And then Jonathan Brooks, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little too obsessed with that guy, um, I probably just need to calm down, but I don't know. I, I I always get jacked up about running backs. I love running backs. Not all of them, obviously, but there's every year there's going to be a couple that I'm just geeked out about, and he's he's that dude for me, man. But yeah, then round it out with some offensive line, which I think is great. Uh, another thing I have not really I, – I, I don't need to elaborate too much. I have watched wide receivers and running backs, and that's it so far. I do need to to pick that back up. I've been doing a lot of legwork with putting together my – my big board I did, and then I kind of stopped on that because I wanted to do the notes because all this stuff is happening. I got to get back to watching some stuff. But yeah, hammer down the offensive line, especially on the interior, and then grab a corner. I got no issue with that. But I definitely need to uh, start watching some guys so I can have some opinions when these guys come up. I mean, obviously, it's good to kind of get the notes together and everything, too, so I can comment on it when it comes up. But right now, I can just comment on the position, more or less. Uh, Trevor. Hey, Brian, Trevor Virginia. So, oh. I want to give my opinion on the whole Tom Rinaldi, Eric Anders Carlson thing. Um, you know, he was the commentator of the game, and they have these pre-production meetings before the game with the coaches, and I, who knows, are the office, are the coordinators in there too? I don't know. I know it's at least the head coaches, you know, and they're going over the game. This is where you'll say like, hey, like before I tell them like, hey, we might do a fake punt today. So, you know, they'll, they'll give them little tidbits like that um, in these interviews that the commentators can better call the game. Um, and you know, it's just football guys like chopping up football. Like I, I don't, it's not an interview. Like it, I don't think, I think Tom Rinaldi's the one that screwed up here. Um, and you know, kind of broke that trust of this pre-production yeah. interview. And I believe this season, this upcoming season, LaFleur's going to coach over a hundred games now with the Packers. Like he's been in over 80 of these interviews at least, or these meetings. Um, that's it. And that's if he wasn't in any of them as a coordinator ever. So, you know, I think before knows what to expect out of these and whatever he said, um, he fully didn't expect it to come out on the air like that. And if, if I'm, you know, this is complete speculation on my part, but this is what I see happening that they're having a meeting and one of them, either him or Greg Olson, Rinaldi or Olson, just something like, Hey, you know, Andrew Carlson's had some struggles here. He's missing kicks. Like, like, what are you? What are you thinking when, uh, when he goes out there to kick, kick field goals for you? And before saying something like, Oh yeah, I know you, you I just got to pray for when he goes out there. Right. Like, like kind of like making fun of the question. Um, you know, like, like that's a stupid question. Like, Oh yeah, I might as well pray because who knows if he'll make it. Like, like I could see it being something like that. I don't, I don't see him doing it another way. So, uh, anyway, go back up. Well, I think the issue I had with it is he didn't really explain away the issue that seemed to be the issue, right? The, the the point that was brought up is he made fun of his own kicker. So if he if he wasn't making fun of his kicker in that meeting, 
you know, I, I obviously the there's a, also an issue of him of the commentator or whatever bringing that up. That's that's not necessarily disputed that he shouldn't have said that, but it's it's the fact that you said it that is kind of in question. So if if it wasn't meant to be that way, um, you know, explain it away because I don't I don't think he did. It was more or less just you know. I was goofing around and I, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you uh, go on a double date and your buddy's kind of an idiot and he's like, what are you talking about? Your wife didn't gain any weight. She's looking good to me. And then your wife asks you about it after and you're like, first of all, I told him that in confidence and he was not supposed to say anything about that. That was a secret. Second of all, I was kidding when I said you were fat. So... He's obviously the bad guy here, honey. I don't know why you're asking me the question. We we should just never talk to him again because he is a bad person. It's like it just I don't know. I don't. Uh, it's, it sounds like he just got busted for kind of like making a joke about his player. And um, I would think in the future, similar to like how you should or shouldn't act in regards to your wife. As far as comments you make, he probably should keep that in mind when it comes to players too. Like, don't jokingly make fun of your players because if it gets back to them, it's not a good look to the not just that person, but the entire locker room who's like, "Oh, cool, he's talking about us behind our back." So yeah, if I'm Matt Lafleur, I'm freaking pissed at that guy for doing that, and I'm gonna have an attitude every single time I do those production meetings from now on. I'm not telling you jack squat because you know this is this is just a business meeting. I'm gonna give you as little relevant detail as possible and then I'm going to move on with my life but again it's still a matter of it's it's what he said you know and he didn't refute that he said it he just said I was kidding and I'm upset that he told the world that I said that hey Ryan it's A.A. Ron from Eau Claire and uh got a couple of thoughts uh that uh hopefully will break the kind of uh uh the normal Topics, I guess, that have been uh, more current, such as the defensive coordinator search, um, maybe mix up the conversation a little bit. One is the thought of um, the NFC North overall as a division, and just uh, the intriguing thought of how competitive it could be. Um, we know the Lions now have a track record of and they are a playoff team, uh, no doubt about it. We know that the Packers, Packers are a playoff team, and we know if uh, Kirk Cousins hadn't gotten injured, that um, the Vikings probably would have been a, a playoff quality team as well. So um, that <laughs> that leaves the Bears, and uh, you know if they can get a quarterback situation. Um, that they could potentially buy for a playoff uh, spot as well, which is kind of a crazy thought, you know. It, it reminds me of uh, sorry, sweet kill wiper. Um, oh. Kind of reminds me of a few years ago when the NFC West was kind of like that, where uh, Seahawks had Russell Wilson, um, Arizona was playing really well with uh, Carson Palmer. Uh, 49ers were, I can't remember who, who they had at quarterback, but they they were doing pretty well. Um, and then 
uh, the Rams were also uh, doing very well with Sean McVay. I remember what years those were. Um, but anyways, for a while, they were a highly competitive division with uh, four, you know, legitimate uh, playoff teams. I think the NFC North has a chance of becoming that um, or something like that, uh, which is a very interesting idea. And uh, in a way, you know, for the Packers, that's a good thing because it, um, well, could be a good thing uh, because they, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So if they're already playing, you know, playoff teams, um, four to six times a year just in their own division, then uh, that leaves them uh, pretty competitive when they actually get to the playoffs. Uh, one second. Call right back. Okay. Let me find you. There you are. All right, go ahead. Uh, okay. So I was just saying um, it could be a good thing for the Packers to have more competition within the division uh, in terms of uh, just – having the opportunity your abilities and um, kind of just have an overall higher level of urgency to uh, play at a high level all the time. Uh, obviously, on the negative side, you know, that, op- that also uh, leaves less room for error. Uh, but, you know, I guess... Um, I guess overall, if we think that, you know, Jordan Love has a higher ceiling than Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and whoever, you know, rookie quarterback for the Bears would be next year, at least for that stretch, uh, it would, it would make sense that the Packers could have, you know, the upper hand in that, in that division since quarterback usually is the difference maker in a tight situation. But, um, who knows? I mean, it's all just a projection, but uh, just kind of looking ahead and thinking, you know, this could be a really, really entertaining division to watch, which is which is awesome. Uh, even if it means we, you know, play a couple more tight games and lose to some teams that are rivals, uh, it also means that you know, uh, we've got to put our big boy pants on and and uh, you know, play some good football uh anyway second thing completely unrelated to football if you're looking for a uh television show to get into sure um i have two uh i don't know if this has been talked about but fargo the television show if you're into uh crime thrillers and uh didn't even know that was a tv show like that and kind of gruesome um Pulpy, uh, just, uh, I don't know, mystery, crime kind of stuff. That's a good show. And what I love about it is, um, it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre, right? It's like all about these bizarre situations. But also, uh, just the, kind of the focus on the Midwest region, the upper Midwest, the accents, the cultural, um, the cultural norms. Uh, I, I just find it very compelling as a Midwesterner. Uh, second show I would recommend is The Bear. 
which is about a Chicago restaurant that the young chef oh, that yeah. takes over. Um, very compelling show. I'm curious to know if you've seen any of those. So, anyways, go back. So I have not seen the bear. I know of the bear. Um, I think I was watching a watching an actual cooking show, and they were talking about like the actual cooking that they do on the show or whatever. But I I, I don't know a ton about it. I know I've seen it. Didn't think I would be interested, but it's, you know, whenever somebody recommends something, it's worth checking it out. Um, I actually just started, I've been, I haven't really done much. You know, first of all, there is a new super fan episode of The Office, so I'm beyond excited. They have been releasing, I think, one a year of these super fan episodes. First time I saw it, I was super excited. There's these episodes of The Office. I played it, and there's like scenes that I've never seen before. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I didn't even know what it meant. I just, I got Peacock, and I'm watching The Office, and all of a sudden they're saying stuff. I'm like, that's not in the show. What the heck is this? But they only had four seasons, and I was ticked. Then I went back and watched again, you know, this year, and there were six seasons. I was like, wait a minute, I thought there was only four. I wonder if they're like continually releasing them. Sure enough, new season of The Office, like, oh, yes. So I've been running through Monk, because I want to watch every episode of Monk, so that I can watch the movie with a full understanding of Monk, because that's just how I am. I gotta do the whole thing all the way through. And also just started last night the super fan episodes of The Office for the new season, season seven. Yes, I'm calling it new. Shuddy. But then today, too, um, my uh, kid was taking a nap, and I had to go be in the general vicinity, so I couldn't start the podcast quite yet. Had to quote-unquote watch the kid so I just flipped on uh, Netflix, and there was a thing about um, Alexander the Great. I think it's just called Alexander or something, or something about a god. I don't know. But it's kind of like 50-50. Like, it's, it's like a TV show, and then also like one of those History Channel things with, like, the people talking. So they'll talk and kind of go through some stuff, and then, then it'll just be, like, back to the, the acting show and whatnot. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of dig it. It's one of those things. Every, every time those history things show up, it's like, I don't want to watch that. That's kind of lame. But whenever it starts, I get super into it. It's really interesting stuff. It's cool to kind of bring it to life, too. I mean, if, if that was more like what we did in school, I would have loved school a lot more. I mean, you just go through and read, like, the facts out of the book. It's like, oh, I don't care. Alexander sounds stupid. Wow, stab him, cut him, shoot him. Great, I don't care. And conquered this land, never heard of it. Macedonia, cool, great. By the way, that would be something else cool with these new, like, uh, VR, AR goggles, which are brand new and I'm sure are going to become, like, a thing very, very soon. As in, like, most people have them and wear them. They're very expensive right now, but, I mean, that's going to plummet very rapidly. Is, like, interactive television. Because one of the things that I think is cool with this that I would wish that we could do is I always want to, like, see the map. And sometimes they'll show you a scene, like, okay, now he took this here. Like, okay, cool. But I like to see it visually, like, okay, how much land is he taking up, and where is this from this point? And, like, so then when they marched up here, where you know, I just want to be able to see it and, like, to visualize the actual army numbers and everything and kind of the path they took. It would be cool if they had visual elements that you could, like, click and drag and move. So you got, like, the main TV show going on, and then you got, like, a map, and as the show goes on, like, they go through the map, and you can move the map around to wherever you want it on your, you know, basically in your living room. Maybe you have other ways to kind of interact with it. I don't know. Just saying it's it's very cool, and it's, it'd be great to actually like be able to interact a little bit with... Uh, it would definitely make me want to learn more, which, by the way, just like chat GPT right now, I've never wanted to learn more in my life. I've never learned more in my life. I just sit here all day, and I just talk to my robot. Like, bro, what's up with this? It's like, oh, yeah, that's like this. Like, really? What about this? What about that? 
What about this? I'm just like a little kid. Why? 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 I love the future, man. Anyways, uh, back to your initial comments about the NFC North. I honestly think as much as it, I wish I could say it's the Bears, the the team that I'm going to have a hard time believing is going to succeed the most is going to be the Vikings. We'll see what kind of decisions come down the pike or whatever, but it just feels like they're a little ways away. And if they lose Kirk Cousins, which it sounds like they will, I just really have a hard time believing they're going to be able to do anything. They need players. I mean, if you look at, you know, like the the biggest free agents in the NFC North, it's Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, and Marcus Davenport, arguably, I guess. I mean, they're the highest contractually APY player in the entire NFC North that are free agents. I mean, so that that's a big deal. And I don't know if any of them are coming back. I'm, I'm assuming somebody is. But there's been questions about Daniil Hunter for a while now. Marcus Davenport feels kind of like a, a little Band-Aid thing. The Vikings do that a lot. They bring in that defensive lineman for a year or two or whatever, and then they let them go. Did it with Yannick Ngakwe, who ironically is the next highest APY on the list for the Bears. What a complete joke that was. Two of the highest on here are Yannick Ngakwe and Justin Jones. It just shows you how stupid the freaking Bears are. Below that, you have uh, <laughs> Keyshawn Nixon. Eh, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's not hard to see the path for the Lions because the Lions are already there. I mean, it's just a question of can they maintain it before they start to descend? Because that's, you know, again, that's where it gets tricky. I mean, it's staying up every single year. And I don't think they did themselves a ton of favors in the draft last year. So, you know, you kind of take a half a step back overall. And it's not going to be like an instant collapse. It's, it's going to be a slow bleed. But you just kind of look at the gains and the losses. And last year, eh, I don't know. And you got, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to be a free agent. You bringing him back? What about Graham Glasgow? For the Bears, it's, it's very simple. You need to hit on a quarterback. If you do, you've got a wide receiver. Defense seemed to kind of be picking it up a little bit. You just got to grow. You'll be decent enough and you'll be competitive, depending on how good that quarterback really is. But certainly, I, I, I would, I almost assume that everybody's going to be better. I mean, the Vikings had about as bad a luck as you can have. I mean, they lost their quarterback. They added like a different quarterback every single week. Justin Jefferson wasn't there the first several weeks or whatever. So overall, I, I tend to agree with the iron sharpens iron thing. It's one of those where, you know, if you have a really easy path in the NFC North, you probably sail into the playoffs. But what good is it going to do you when you actually go head to head with real teams? As opposed to if you've got to beat some really tough teams and end up on top of that pile, you feel pretty confident in your ability to handle yourself in the postseason. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, We're still over a week behind. I'm trying as best as I can. The good news is uh, tomorrow we get a call from Ethan that was on Friday, and there's only one Friday call and then two Saturday calls. So we're going to gain a lot of ground. I think we might even be able to get through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because there's less than 10 of all those combined. So then we'll be kind of on the fast track. So the weekends are catch-up times, I guess. Anyways, have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. 